0: Welcome to the Supervisory Development Course podcast from the University of Minnesota. The podcast discusses what you need to know about delegation, including which tasks are appropriate to delegate and which are not, who to delegate to, and how to ensure the project is on track. For more information on delegation best practices and resources, visit z.umn.edu/delegation. For more information on supervisory development, visit supervising.umn.edu. So I'm Emily Tichich, and I'll be presenting the material today. During the Q&A session, I'll be joined by Brandon Sullivan, who's the Senior Director of Leadership and Talent Development. So thank you for attending our webinar and delegation. We have lots of ideas and resources to show you in the next 45 minutes. And as we do so, I hope you'll be thinking about your own situation and circumstances in your current role and how these might spark some improvements, no matter how small. We don't expect you to be able to change your approach the delegation all at once, but we encourage you to examine your current approach based on best practices and identify those areas for improvement or just that need further thought. At this point we have two questions for you and you'll see them there on the slide. The first one, think of a time when you tried to delegate and it didn't go well. What would you have done differently? And the second one, think of a time when you could have delegated but you didn't. Why didn't you? So take a minute, please. Think about these questions in your current or a previous circumstance. Okay, super interesting. Thank you to everyone for responding. It looks like there are a lot of reasons what you would have done differently or could have done differently. I see a lot about guidance, directions. Um, Yep, maybe it wasn't a great fit with their skills. Yeah, and then a time when you could have delegated but didn't. Why didn't you? Yeah, maybe you felt like it was your responsibility. Maybe you under, mis, there was a misunderstanding there. Yep, maybe it had to do with follow-up. Could be lots of different reasons. So thank you for sharing and keep thinking about those reasons as we work through our information today. It's so clear that challenges are an inevitable part of delegation and there are a lot of questions around how to do it, how to make it effective. I think the fact you're attending the webinar today demonstrates an interest in both sharing your experiences and also hopefully finding some tips for how to delegate effectively. And of course I would add to that realizing that you're not alone. Delegation sounds like it should be something easy, right? Asking someone to do something. It's just not that simple and I hope our webinar today uncovers some of that for you. So what is our focus today? Uh, Well, like I said, we're going to guide you through understanding what delegation is and what it might look look like for you in your current supervisory role. So we'll look at these three questions here. There's three main topics here. First, What is delegation? So what are we talking about when we talk about delegation? Second, what are the benefits of delegating tasks and also of course what challenges exist? And you've already touched on some of those in your chat. And then how can I delegate effectively? So how can tasks be delegated effectively? Not just delegated, but delegated effectively. We'll take a look at some of the challenges that supervisors often face in the process of delegation and highlight key questions that every supervisor should be asking themselves when they're thinking about possibly delegating a task. Alright, so let's dive into our first part and think about what are we talking about when we talk about delegation. So here we have a definition for you, nice and simple. What is delegation? Delegation is when you empower and entrust your employee to take responsibility for a task or activity. Of course, this looks simple. We like it that way, but we also have to remember delegation is, it can be very complex and we'll go through the steps here in a little bit and it can also look very different depending on your work environment, your direct reports, and other factors as well. The other thing to remember about delegation is that it takes commitment and a well thought through approach. It's easy to assign someone a task, right? We could call that delegation, but it's not going to be successful for you or your employee if you haven't given it a lot of thought or if your employee is not well prepared for it. Notice the word empowered here and that first part of the definition. Research shows that effective delegation requires you have carefully considered how to set up your employee for success, especially how to give them enough authority over the task to invest themselves in the work. Delegation is a dynamic process that requires an iterative approach that acknowledges that possibility for mistakes in the process and also needs to be constantly reassessed. Another important thing to remember about delegation is that it can benefit everyone. So today we'd like to help you hold on to the idea that delegation is an opportunity for you and your employees and is worth committing to in a thoughtful way because when done right, learning to delegate effectively will continue to positively impact you, your employee, and your department for years. And we'll, we'll talk about this in more detail in the upcoming slides, but this is just something to think about as we move on. As I already mentioned, today we're going to focus on best practices for how to delegate effectively. First. Let's take a look at some of the common challenges you may perceive, and then we'll discuss the benefits of delegation. So we have a poll for you. Um, As you know, it's a supervisor's responsibility to help develop your direct reports, and of course delegation is one way to do this. Everybody wants to work smarter, not harder. But what gets in our way? Of course things get in our way. So I have a list here of five things, and I'm gonna ask you, have you ever thought any of these? So I'll read them out. And then I'll ask you to identify which ones you've thought. So first, have you ever thought, I don't want to be seen as not working hard enough or not doing enough? Or, or and, have you ever thought, I don't think my employee is committed to quality or motivated enough to do a quality job? Or next, C, have you ever thought, everything will fall apart if I don't do it? Or the next one, maybe you've thought, I don't have enough time to train my employees for a new task. Or the last one, my employees don't have time for a new task so please identify which ones you have ever thought and you can enter your answers into the poll you can choose more than one answer of course thank you to everyone that responded if you've thought any of these before you're definitely not alone let's see what the results say okay interesting looks like our highest one is would be letter D I don't have I don't have time to train my employees yeah totally I mean who has as much time as they want the other ones too are ranking pretty high Uh, That first one, I don't want to be seen as not working hard enough. Yeah, or not doing enough. Right, it's hard to kind of not have that visibility. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And then my employees don't have time for another task. Right, they probably, I mean, that may be the perception that they're already doing enough. So for the first one, like I mentioned, it's all about visibility. You know, it's a really common sentiment to not be seen or not want to be seen as not working hard enough. This is true. You want visibility if you're a supervisor, you know, visibility for your work. But remember supervising is part of your work and if you're able to delegate to an employee or a team, the work that comes out of that is reflected in your department or unit, which also includes you. The second one about maybe questioning the employee's commitment or commitment to quality or motivation, that's a very real concern. If you know this to be true, then yeah, you could maybe stop here. It may not be advisable to delegate at this time. But make sure you ask yourself, how do you know this to be true? Have you actually had this conversation with your employee? If you don't know, and this is more of a fear or a bias, it's your responsibility to find out whether they're actually interested or willing to take on a task or project. So, just a reminder: um, you know, try to always trying to make that an informed decision. Letter C, and I think the fewest of you responded to this one. You know, the idea that everything will fall apart if I don't do it. Um, If you did respond yes, you are definitely not alone. I mean, you may feel that you are ultimately responsible for the performance, which is poor or otherwise, of your employees. I just, again, want a gentle reminder that this is not a compelling reason not to delegate. As a supervisor, you can foster the conditions for successful delegation by clarifying expectations around the task and, you know, defining what success looks like. And we'll talk about that more in detail later in the presentation. For D, you may feel like you don't have enough time. Uh, There's no question effective delegation takes time. Though there's an initial investment of time in the delegation process, if the delegation is successful, and you can certainly set it up for success, there will be a longer-term return on that investment, which may allow you to shift your focus to other priorities. Wouldn't that be nice? This last one, my employees don't have time, Right. It certainly seems true a lot of the time when employees appear to be spread thin. However, sometimes this is just an excuse not to delegate. The truth is, as a supervisor, and I I realize this is, maybe it's harder than it sounds, it's part of your responsibilities to create opportunities for your employees to develop their skills, knowledge, and abilities. This can include helping them reprioritize their tasks, or finding a way to take tasks off their plate to free up time for this new, newly delegated task. Great, so thank you for your poll responses. Very interesting. There's no doubt that the challenges are real. Um, I hope you as a supervisor can find a way to address these without letting them get in the way of thinking about how you could delegate tasks to your employees. Because remember, when done right, delegation can benefit everyone. It helps develop your employees, Um, I think you could imagine lots of ways it could help develop your employees, but some of the things that come to mind are it makes them feel more confident in their work, Um, it gives them more authority over decisions and how to reach outcomes. It also gives them more opportunities to receive feedback, which might sound familiar if you're an experienced supervisor. It also leads to perception that their work is more impactful because of their awareness of broader goals and how their work fits in. So those are several ways that your employees may benefit from delegation. It also helps you become a better supervisor. Uh, In one way, it might do that is that it helps you work smarter, not harder. You know, there are tasks that you and only you are meant to do within your role. But if there are tasks you can delegate, then you're able to manage the work at a higher level. Another way it helps you is that it gives you more opportunities to learn to communicate and coach, helping you become a better supervisor. And obviously, you can see the trickle down then to your employees as well. Finally, it helps improve results for your department or unit. Um, Some ways it might do that is it fosters coordination between departments and teams. It can lead to higher employee engagement through increased motivation and production. It also encourages innovation on the part of your employees. So I hope that these three reasons, these three benefits of delegation, resonate with you in your current or previous or, you know, future experiences. Okay, so at this point we've talked about the challenges and benefits of delegation. Let's switch gears and consider actions to take when delegating. We'll devote the rest of the presentation to illustrating the best practices around how to delegate effectively. So here we see an illustration of the delegation process. As we said earlier, delegation is a process that requires time, commitment, and a well thought through approach. The best practices around delegation include these five steps. So first, identifying the task, and you can see that there on your top left. Next, identifying the team member who you might want to delegate to, hmm, and that's a question mark, you know, who would that person be? Third, identifying, this is if, identifying if this is a good time to delegate this task, and that's not just a question of how busy you are, but it's also a question of the task itself. The fourth step in the process is communicating the task details to your employee. That is a very complex task that we'll look at in more detail, and then of course the last step which really never ends is the support and follow-up. Let's take a look at these in more detail. The first step is to identify tasks you as a supervisor do that can be delegated. So what could I delegate? What do you do? This is important. Most of the tasks you do can be delegated, but there are certain categories of tasks that can't be. One of these is your supervisor responsibilities like performance management, hiring decisions, et cetera. I'm sure you can think of others that you would not want to or maybe shouldn't delegate. Others would be tasks that involve confidential employee information. And then of course you can't easily delegate tasks for which you have unique expertise and experience. So thinking about what could I delegate and maybe how um, how realistic would it be that someone else could be as successful. So let's take a look at what this looks like for Kate. So she's, she's here in front of you. She's a supervisor at the U. She wants to prioritize her time and decides to give a project to someone on her staff. Probably sounds familiar, right? She takes stock of all the work she does and identifies four tasks that could potentially be delegated. So here, out of these four projects that she identifies, which one is the best to delegate? So there are four options here. First, she could delegate creating a program plan about a system-wide upgrade initiative. What do you think? Or how about B, she could delegate the onboarding of a new employee. Or maybe C, she could delegate the compilation and analysis of data for her to present in front of key stakeholders. Or maybe D, She she could delegate the conduction of a meeting to follow up on a team's employee engagement results. Okay, so take a minute to think and then indicate your answers in the poll, please. Thank you to everyone who responded. It looks like most of you chose C. Yeah, and we'll talk about that one in just a minute. Let's take a look at the other ones just for a minute. Some of you chose A, several of you chose B, and then a few of you chose D. Let's take a look at the delegation and ask ourselves why or why not, why would we delegate or why not for those tasks. So the first one, to create a program plan about a system-wide upgrade initiative. This task could be delegated um, but it may not be the best option because of its scope and because of its impact on the department. The next one, the onboarding of a new employee, well, ultimately the supervisor's always going to be responsible for their new hire. So while parts of onboarding, and maybe this is what you were thinking, but while parts of onboarding could be delegated to your employees, supervisors need to own this task. And delegation requires giving your employee authority over decisions which may not be appropriate here. Uh, The last one, D, conducting that meeting talking about employee engagement results. This is similar to onboarding, so a manager needs to take responsibility for taking action on their employee engagement results. While this will involve cooperation and discussion with team members for sure, the project as a whole would not be a good fit for delegation. So that leaves C. If you chose C, I agree. Out of these four choices, this would be the best one to decide to delegate. The reason it's a good choice to delegate is because the task isn't managerial and it's not confidential. The task is important and it's something that Kate could take off her plate and delegate to an employee. So the next step, after you've looked at what should you delegate, the next step is who, and that's that question mark there. Who on my team could do this? And that's a big question. You need to identify people who have the skills for the task or who would benefit from the development opportunity. So some questions to consider are, you know, does the employee successfully accomplish their current responsibilities? Do they deliver the results expected of them? If they don't, they might not be a good candidate. Another question to consider is to think about what skills are needed to be successful in this task or project. Does your direct report have those skills? If they don't, would it be a good development opportunity? And we'll talk more about that in just a minute. Another thing to consider is whether your employee is motivated or wanting to develop and grow. Motivation is a huge factor in delegation. So are they interested in this task? People, of course, are more likely to be engaged and achieve if they're motivated. Has Another thing to consider, of course, is has the employee been a part of your team for a while? That's vague, but have they been on your team long enough to know their role, their current role? If the person is too new to their role, it's probably not a good idea to delegate to them. And I think you can kind of see why. And again, we'll talk about this in just a minute with our scenario. So let's think back to Kate. Now that she has identified that she wants to delegate that compilation and analysis of the data to present in front of key stakeholders, she needs to decide who she'll delegate it to. She wants to find someone interested, and that could be successful with a little bit of help from her, of course. She has three people in mind. Let's take a look. Jill, Francisco, and Seth. So Jill, and you can see the descriptors there under the pictures, Jill is the rock star. She completes all her work on time or ahead of schedule. The quality is always excellent and she's been motivated by new responsibilities. However, she's somewhat of a crutch to Kate and because she's seen as so reliable, she's become burdened with a lot of responsibilities and Kate worries about overburdening her. Francisco, okay, he's another high performing team member like Jill. He's been on the team for six months. He's a stable high performer, but he hasn't expressed much interest or initiative in previous skills or projects. Kate wonders if this could be an opportunity for him to feel motivated for a new task. And then we have Seth. Seth has been on the team for five years. He often misses deadlines. Uh, He makes excuses for the poor quality of his work because he says he would rather be involved in more important projects. He hasn't shown motivation for improving his work in the past but Kate wonders if delegating this task to him could be a good development opportunity and maybe help him find more motivation in his role. So based on these descriptions, who should she delegate to? We have a poll there. A, Jill. B, Francisco. C, Seth. Yeah, super interesting, wow. So some of you chose Jill, yep. Some of you, many of you chose Francisco, very interesting. Yep, he's a high performer. And then a few of you, actually several of you chose Seth as well. So this is super interesting and I'm glad to see the variety in the responses here because it really shows us you know, what are the factors we need to be thinking about when we think about delegation. Now I have to say too, you know your employees best and if you don't you know, this is an opportunity to find out what motivates them, how do they feel. However, some of you will like this, some of you won't. Our best response is Jill. So maybe you're surprised by that. Let's think about why. And again, this might be different for you in your current circumstance, but let's take a look at Jill. She's a high potential, high performer who's motivated to do strong work. Yeah, and there's that risk, though, of overburdening her, you know, even more than she already is. So Kate, her supervisor, really needs to help her reprioritize her current tasks to make room for the new task. The delegated task would be a stretch goal for Jill. But Kate knows this will motivate her and give her a development opportunity that she had expressed interest in. And if you remember, she was the one who had expressed the highest motivation in, doing, in taking on new responsibilities. Francisco, yeah, I can see why many of you guessed him, I mean, or selected him. That's not, a, that's not a bad selection, but let's think about why this might not be the best selection. He is a stable high performer, but he's still learning the ropes, and it's not a good idea to delegate a new task to someone who's new to their position. And again, new is vague. It could be he's been through the three months, but in this case, he's been there six months, and for you, maybe that doesn't seem new. But if we think about this, he might be interested in development opportunities in the future, but for now, he may still be busy learning his position, and we definitely don't want to set him up um, for something he's not ready for. So that's, that's a judgment call. Seth, Seth says he wants to be involved in more important projects, and that might be true. And Kate, honestly, she's tempted to delegate the task to him to increase his motivation in his position. I mean, that would be, again, it could be a stretch goal, and we definitely want to increase his motivation. However, and I want you to think about this for a minute, he has been a low performer while he's been on her team, and he's been on the team for five years. And in that time, he doesn't regularly meet his performance expectations. So this is, I don't think this, this is not a question of does he need to be delegated to, it's more the issue that Kate needs to deal with his low performance directly instead of delegating new tasks to him. So I hope that gave you some things to think about and think about your selection and kind of what that would look like in your own department or unit. Because figuring out which of your employees are able to successfully carry out a delegated task is a crucial step in delegation. You don't want to delegate to someone that doesn't meet all the expectations for their current role even if they claim they have potential to accomplish another task. For more information about what to look for when considering who to delegate to, you can see the Quick Guide to Assessing Performance, Potential, and Readiness. This Quick Guide is also linked on your action sheet. So it may be in this step, too, that you decide there isn't a right person to delegate to for any number of reasons. And don't be afraid of this, but you can table the idea for a later date, after you've given it more thought. So after we've thought about what and who, let's think about timing. Timing is a little bit complex. There's definitely different sides to this. So is this a good time to delegate? You can determine you'll need to determine this by considering some of these questions that you see in front of you. First, how soon is the task due? If you're facing a close deadline it's probably not the ideal time to delegate. The second question, do you have the time to explain the task? Right, because delegation requires a conscientious consideration of the employee's motivation and communicating the project, task, and its goals clearly. That takes time. Next, can you commit to supporting the employee? So many supervisors take a short-term view of delegation, which involves task completion, uh, but not much more than that. So effective delegation, and I think if you only remember one thing today, I think this is really important. Effective delegation takes time and focus on the manager's part. It's an investment in your employees' development and an opportunity to empower them. This takes time up front, yes, but it has lasting effects. And then lastly, does your employee have enough time to successfully complete the task before the deadline? And that's related to the first one there. In this one though, consider the learning curve for the task and the current workload for the employee. Like in Kate's, in Kate's circumstance, she had to think about helping Jill reprioritize her, her other tasks so that she could have a manageable workload. So time. Like I said, in Kate's situation, she identifies Jill as the person to delegate to, but also needs to reconsider the deadline and Jill's other responsibilities. So if this task needed to be done in such a short amount of time that Jill couldn't handle, this would not be a good time to delegate. However, since the task won't be due for a few weeks, which in this case would be realistic, Kate decides to help Jill reprioritize her other tasks and responsibilities. As you're thinking about what we've talked about so far, then let's also move on to what our next steps would be. So now that you've determined what you'll delegate, who you'll delegate to, and the appropriateness of its timing, what would you do next? There's three choices here. A, communicate roles and expectations, B, establish authority and deadlines, or C, set a process for follow-up and feedback. Yeah, great, if you chose A. So the question was, yeah, what will you do next? Um, Yes, if you chose A, you are right. Thank you for your responses. If you chose B or C, you're right, but we would do A first. So you're right, those are crucial. All of these are crucial parts of the next steps in delegation, but A is what you would do next. Let's break down what you'll need to communicate to your employee to help prepare them for success. So communication is what we're going to look at next. Start by scheduling a one-on-one meeting. Make sure you have enough time to go over the aspects of the project. So the question is, what do I need to do to prepare the employee for success? And if you remember back on our diagram, this is one of the one of our last steps, but one of the most important. So here are the key considerations for clear communication in your one on one meeting. Make sure to first describe the task and project. Second, set context and provide background info as needed. Third, explain why you selected them for the task. Fourth, clarify authority. And fifth, agree on a process for follow-up, feedback, and your involvement. So obviously, depending on the task or on your employee, you might need to put more or less emphasis on some aspects, but in general, it's a best practice to consider communicating the following items during your meeting that you see there on the slide in front of you. Let's take a closer look at these five steps. First, describe the task or project. You'll need to clearly communicate this to your employee. So during your one-on-one meeting, here are things that would be helpful to communicate. What's the task? What's the risk level you can tolerate? What are the goals of the project? What does success look like? When does it need to get done? And how long should it typically take? And what are the key milestones? So there's a lot of information there to think about when describing the task or project. Next, you need to set the context of the project. and provide any background information that might be helpful. I like to remind myself that people can't read our minds. So even if something is very clear to you, making it clear to the person you delegate to also is extremely important because your goal is for your employee to be successful. During the meeting, you can discuss any of these questions. So first, how does the project or task contribute to the big picture? So thinking about strategy and also what is its potential impact? Another question to think about, who would your employee need to work with? Uh, are there any connections or introductions to be made? So you could go over those in your meeting as well. Also, what are some of the things that might affect the project or task su- success? Are there any competing priorities? And then of course, what resources might they need to complete the project? The third step, explaining why you selected them for the task. I think this could be easily overlooked, but still very is very important. Um, It's important because it's an opportunity to highlight their benefit in the involvement in this task. Like what's in it for them if they're part of this? Why is it a good opportunity for them? So depending on the task and the employee, you may have different ideas of how to talk about this. But some questions to consider are how will this project help them build new skills? Would there be an opportunity to establish or strengthen connections with colleagues? And of course, could it be a useful experience to get for a bigger role in the future? So again, thinking about development. Clarifying authority. This is another important step. So as we've already seen, effective delegation requires giving authority to your employee when delegating a task, right? There's no way around this. Giving authority for them to do the project and communicating this to all key players is important. Authority can look different depending on the task. For example, the employee may be asked to make decisions and implement them, or make decisions but notify you before implementing, or, make recommendations for the final decision, which you will have final approval over. Figuring out the level of authority they have is crucial in any delegation process. If the person you delegated to doesn't have enough authority, they'll never own the task and learn what they need to learn. It's also important, obviously, because it motivates your employee to be invested in the success of the task instead of feeling that they're doing someone else's job. In clarifying authority, it's important to remember that to communicate that to all project stakeholders. And we've got some nice diagrams here to hopefully to illustrate this. And they might look familiar if you've uh, attended any of our previous webinars or looked at our quick guides. If you're feeling like after some time the project is back on your plate, you know, you've delegated it, but somehow it boomerangs back to you, then you know there's an opportunity there for clarification. This might look different for different people, of course. For example, you might find the employee is coming to you with questions that involve influencing others or you might find others coming to you directly instead of communicating with the employee. And that's represented here on the screen. Here, as you can see in front of you, you're becoming the center of communication or a hub. As a supervisor, the way out of this is to set the expectation that team members will talk with each other directly, then provide feedback and coaching to reinforce this. So setting the expectation and following up. The change in this communication direction may take time, Remember, asking others to communicate with them directly is part of the authority the employee needs to make progress on their task. For more information about this, you can see the Quick Guide to Establishing Norms and Expectations, which is linked on your action sheet. Finally, so the final step in communication. Communicate the expectations for the process. So consider clarifying, for example, um, how will you track progress? How and when would the feedback be provided? When would they involve you? How will the project or task be evaluated? Once you had your one-on-one delegation conversation, remember to follow up. If the project is a stretch assignment, it's especially important to provide continuous coaching and support. Agreeing on the feedback process that was mentioned in the previous step is helpful because it provides an opportunity to course correct, coach and develop, hold people accountable. You might remember our coaching model. You see it there on the screen in front of you. Providing ongoing coaching and support, which is in the center of the circle there, is crucial to new skill development and is a good way to hold people accountable. For more information on coaching, see the Quick Guide to Coaching, which is also linked on your action sheet. Follow up is also where a lot of initially successful assignments can go wrong. So one of the common mistakes is to jump in and save the project. This is connected to the learning opportunity. Don't jump in and save it if it seems like something is going wrong. I know it's tempting. But, of course, there are bound to be mistakes and that's just part of working together. But this is an important part of the learning process. Give feedback so the person can learn how to think about the project and ask questions to figure out how to be effective. Encourage them to ask for feedback. That's an expectation of the process. Conducting the lessons learned can be a helpful technique to address what went well and what can be better, too. Another common pitfall mitigated by an effective follow-up process is micromanaging. So even the best of us, it's tempting. Avoid that temptation to dive into every detail and only give over authority on the task when it's comfortable for you. So giving constructive, specific feedback is important for your employee's development. But if your feedback looks like micromanagement, you may end up with an employee who becomes resistant to development opportunities, which is the opposite of what we want. Finally, remember to recognize your employee for their contributions and celebrate success in a way that is meaningful for them. This might look different. A thank you, public recognition, opportunity for promotion, different levels of authority. Take time to find out what this looks like for you and for your employee. Great, so here we are again. Delegation is when you empower and entrust your employee to take responsibility for a task or activity but it takes commitment and a well thought through approach and there you see A summary of the steps again. So back to Kate, we didn't forget about her. She's definitely off to a good start. She's confident in the tasks she's going to delegate and in her choice of Jill, but it's also clear that she has a few more steps to take in the process to ensure a successful delegation experience for both of them. So thinking about time, communication, and of course that follow up. Remember delegation helps develop your employees. Improve your supervisory skills and also improve results for your department or unit. Of course, by improving communication throughout your team and department, and also resulting in a higher employee engagement. Thanks for your attention up to this point. We just have a few more slide, one more slide, and then we'll move into the Q and A. The last thing we want to mention, of course, is what is the cost of not delegating? Earlier, we referenced several reasons why you might be hesitant to consider delegating tasks to your employees. Totally understandable. I think that's part of the reason why we're talking about delegation today, because we want to kind of put those on the table. But not delegating could lead to lots of unintended results, like resentment. I'm sure you can come up with a list too, but my list is resentment, unfinished tasks, poor work quality, disengaged employees, and of course, ultimately, possibly burnout, which would be a bummer. I hope it's clear at this point that delegation is a process that is worth taking the time to think through, since it can benefit everyone involved. Great. So again, thank you for your attention so far. I know that was a lot of information, um, but let's take it. Let's uh, let's get our questions answered. So with me here today is Brandon Sullivan. Hi, Brandon.
1: Hi. Thank how are you? you. Thank
0: you so much for joining us today. You know how much we appreciate your insights. Um, as Brandon is here to talk with us about, you know, to address some of your questions, or at least as many as we have time for. So we'll we'll do this for about ten minutes or so. Um, if it's okay, Brandon, I'd like to start with a question I think a lot of people are wondering about. That question is, and I think a lot of our audience members might agree with this, but it just wondering, what are some of the common ways that you see delegation being misunderstood mm-hmm. at the U? I think that's something on, on people's minds.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you know, delegation is really supposed to be about building capacity on your team um, and developing people so that they can take on more, they can take on higher level work. Um, and that kind of thing. So that's really the, the key purpose. Now some of the ways that that kind of goes sideways um, here and not just here, I mean, this is, this is typical on a lot of organizations, but one is, you know, when managers, um, supervisors are feeling overwhelmed, right? And we've all been there and many of you are probably there right now. Um, you've got a full plate, you've got plenty to do and someone comes along and drops another thing <laughs> on your plate and you're like, okay, how am I gonna get all of this done? Um, and if your delegation is coming from that place um, that's not there's nothing wrong with actually that's a situation where you probably would want to think about delegating Um, but oftentimes we're focused on okay I'm overwhelmed I have a lot to do I just need to get this off my plate and and off my mind so someone else can do it and that can lead to being a little too kind of hands-off on the project kind of the what I would consider sort of a divide-and-conquer approach okay I want you to take this go do it come back when you're done There are certainly circumstances where you can do that and that's effective, but most of the time what's going to happen is something is going to not be quite what you need it to be. Mm -hmm. um, And you need a little bit more involvement in terms of feedback and coaching. So that's one. Mm -hmm. Another um, that we see a lot here, and this is, um, I I think, embedded in our culture at the university. um, Supervisors are very concerned about making mistakes. Um, and I think the reality in a lot of places is that you're going to get in more trouble if you make a mistake than if you um, don't innovate, right? And we're trying to move the needle on that, Good. right? And in some units, th- there's, that isn't the case. But in general, um, as a supervisor, if you hand work over, if you delegate it, and, you know, you may be worried, okay, if they don't do it quite right, am I going to get in trouble as yes. the supervisor, um, or is it okay? And so there's kind of that piece that can lead to the micromanaging, um, or the not delegating uh, kind of thing. Um, and then the last piece is just around the, the feedback and coaching. And um, because that's something that is often kind of misunderstood here, what that really involves, um, sometimes you get a real focus on the what rather than the how of the work. So, okay, did you get the work done? Yes or no, but how did you go about doing it? So for example, you know, if you are delegating something, you may want someone to take a broader perspective on that work than they typically do. If you're not helping them think that through, well, how do I move from a real narrow focus to a broader focus, which is the how they do the work, then then it may not be successful. So those are some of the things that that we see. Um, now, now what I'd like to do actually is, is ask um, Olga, Pull over our manager of supervisor development, to just talk a little bit about sort of why, because this gets at this question a little bit. You know, what is it that we see in our data? What do we know about sort of the needs of supervisors at the university? And, you know, why delegation is so important and how does it fit into the broader skill set that we, you know, we have for our supervisors? So, Olga, do you want to speak to that a little bit?
2: Sure. Hi, everyone. Um, so, there are a few things that we consider when we select a topic for these webinars essentially. Um, first is the feedback from you, the supervisors. Um, every time we do a web- webinar like this, we ask you to complete an evaluation where we have questions about the barriers, the pain points, as well as other topics you would like to learn about. So most supervisors at the U are working managers. And so the topic of time as in, I don't have time to do it, or I don't know how to fit this into my already busy schedule, comes up every time. So hopefully learning about um, how to delegate effectively would help better prioritize your time and make sure to uh, complete that evaluation at the end of this webinar. Another thing is that we look at employee engagement data And from 2017 results, two items have lower scores. The first one is my manager supervisor coaches me in my development. And another one is um, around equitable distribution of the workload. So delegating effectively can help improve those um, as it provides uh, an opportunity for you as a supervisor to coach your employee around the task. both in what needs to be completed, as Brendan said, and how to complete it. Um, And finally, we've talked to a lot of HR leads in colleges, and the topic of delegation is something that was shared with us that supervisors are having questions about. So it's these three points, the evaluations from the webinars, the employee engagement data, and um, our HR business partners in colleges. And also, I feel like we've covered that during the webinar, how delegation fits into the broader skill set. To delegate effectively, it's the communication, the assessing the potential, the clarifying the roles and responsibilities. Those are all of the skills that are essential to become a better supervisor. And um, I feel like there are many more, but the Two that I would like to emphasize are setting and communicating clear expectations around the task, and then it's all about feedback and coaching. So just kind of in a snapshot.
0: Thank you, Olga and Brandon, so far. That was really insightful. Um, Brandon, one other question has come up, too, um, that I think we have a little bit of time for, which is um, what are... So everyone's thinking about, well, how do I make it work? And there's lots of nuance. What if it fails? What if the communication is bad? How do I, you know, all these questions about the how to do it. But I think one of the kind of a broader question about that is, what are some of the factors that help delegation on the organizational level? So kind of what's, what like ingredients, so to speak. Do you have anything?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. And and I'm seeing a lot of questions coming in that, um, you know, are specific to situations, but that I think reflect some of these broader issues that, that we're you know trying to deal with as a as an institution. Um, you know, delegation, as a supervisor, their skills, we just went through some of those that you can use. But um, one of the things that's really, really critical is accountability. And we use that word a lot here and some people hate that word or whatever. But you know that if you think about accountability in terms of say if you are a supervisor and you're really good at delegating right so you're really good at giving work to people on your team developing them so their skill sets grow retaining and engaging them expanding the ability of your team to take on bigger work Um, are you recognized and rewarded for that right does that is that something that your own supervisor and the leaders in your college or unit are going to say wow they're really good at that and that's a good thing we need that Um, Does that open doors for you in terms of interesting projects or even promotions or other job opportunities, um, you know, within your college or unit or even across university? Um, uh, Conversely, if um, you see one of your peers uh, uh, really doing a bad job of delegating, right? They're not not doing any of the things that we're talking about and um, are there consequences for that, right? Does anybody care? Does that get noticed? Um, And so that's one of the things that's really a driver of effective delegation in an organization. If you don't have the accountability, both the reward recognition side of that, as well as the consequences for not doing it well, um, then it can be really hard as a lone supervisor trying to do this um, to, to be effective in it uh, because you're gonna kind of feel like nobody notices or cares. So that's why it's super important for colleges and units to get together within themselves you and know, work on this and how do we create a culture that supports that. Um, and the other piece of it is a really around a culture of learning and development. Mm-hmm. And that gets at the risk tolerance. Mm-hmm. So if we're gonna delegate and we want supervisors to delegate, we also need to give them credit for doing that mm-hmm. and know that you know there will be some mistakes, mm-hmm. right? And, and delegation should be reasonable, right? We don't want people delegating things that could you know bring down a college financially or something like that. But <laughs> no. if we're talking about reasonable risks, right? We need to have some tolerance then that if a supervisor goes to their supervisor, I got some bad news, you know, this didn't go as quickly as we thought, but the reason was because they delegated it to a high potential that they were developing, that mm-hmm. that then is okay. And then that will make sense as the explanation. I don't know that that's true now um, in many places. So those are some of the organizational factors mm-hmm. that that we need to kind of figure out and do a little more, I think, to support our
0: supervisors. Great, thank you for the response. And I think I think you touched on some of the questions that people have, especially about failure, like how do you deal with, you know, if the delegation, if you delegate a task and then it doesn't, it's not as successful as you wanted it to be, or the success looks differently, how do you deal with that? And I can see that people, that is a huge piece of hesitation because, yeah. or huge, you know, it feeds into hesitation because we don't want to risk it, like you said. Yeah. So, great. So it's we have just have about seven or eight minutes left, I don't know if there are any other burning questions. I see there are several that have been submitted, I'm not sure if we have time. Yeah, I could I could
1: uh, take a few. There's a lot that we could dive into here, and these are all really really good questions because delegation is is not simple. (laughs) It should be right. Um, So uh, one of the questions that uh, came up is around, um, and there actually a few versions of this. Kind of how do you delegate to uh, people on your team who have been there longer than you, right? Um, So you know you're the supervisor, but they're maybe older than you, they're more seasoned than you, they've been around the university longer. Um, and you're trying to drive some change. I, I see this all the time. Um, and and that th- th- this is happening more and more where people, especially are coming in from other organizations, hired specifically to try to change the way something is done so that it's more effective. And then you as a supervisor are saying, oh, okay, nobody, <laughs> I was hired to do this, you know, but nobody seems interested in doing this. Um, and and that, that's a tough spot and there isn't a simple solution, but some of the things um, to really dive into you know, one is, is to really take the time to explain why to those team members, why the approach you want to take that's a change is going to be more effective. And you may get eye rolls, you may get people not believing you, you know, or that kind of thing for sure. Um, but it's important to take that time. You, you may win over some people who are skeptical if you do a good job of really articulating why that new approach is the new approach. Why is it so good? Um, and then giving people opportunity to have some input. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the easiest ways to create resistance to change is to give people the sense it's happening to them. Um, and, and it's hard to avoid that dynamic if you're brought in as a supervisor, for example, to drive change. But you can, you can mitigate that a lot by asking questions, seeking to understand. If you're getting pushback, you don't have to agree with the pushback but asking questions so that people have the chance to explain why, you know, why do they, they think the way that they think. And you don't wanna give them forever to, to do that. You can spin your wheels for, for days, but, but having some opportunity to do that. Another thing, and this came up actually in some other questions, get your own supervisor on board. Mm-hmm. Um, not just with the idea that, yeah, things need to change, and yeah, we need to do things differently around here, but specifically. What are the things you want to do differently? What are those new methods, those new tools, those new approaches that you want to implement, that you're getting some resistance to? Get your supervisor to buy into that um, and to fully support that. Because one of the classic things I see here is that uh, a team member who's been here for a long time is do something different. They don't like it. They go up a level or two, complain, and then the supervisor trying to drive change kind of gets scolded. Right, and, and nobody above them really understands what the issues are, but they just know, okay, someone's complaining, and I know this person because we've been here you know, together for 20 years. And so getting your own supervisor on board and maybe their supervisor, maybe your peers, you know, who are those key stakeholders who you need them to have your back when your own team starts you know, making some noise about it. Um, and then at the end of the day, my experience here is persist. Don't give up.
0: <laughs> Thank you for you know, saying that.
1: Persist. Keep going. Um, and and if it gets to this, address it as a performance issue. Address it as a performance issue.
0: Thank you. That was yeah. That was very helpful. I think that was great because I think you addressed several issues that came up in several of the different questions within that one response. Yes, persistence. So we've introduced a lot of ideas today. Um, with Brandon's insights and also in the previous slides. So take a minute to reflect on what you've heard today about delegation. So what's important for you? What's one thing you've learned? Great. Hopefully you're thinking about something you've learned today. Uh, as a reminder, of course, delegation is a skill. And like Brandon said, it requires that persistence and also consistency and practice to develop. So knowing what the best practices are is helpful and hopefully those have been outlined with some clarity today however it's the application of these ideas that would make all the difference so as we know half of what you learn is forgotten within the next 24 hours so to avoid that you've already indicated what's important for you or maybe you're still thinking about that um, you know what your major takeaway from today is but at this point I would invite you to take a few minutes, and you don't have to do it now, you can do it after the webinar, but to reflect on the questions there in front of you that are also on your action sheet. You know, what can you realize and achieve based on what you've learned? Maybe it's a mindset. You know, Maybe you're just thinking about, you know, I'm not going to give up next time you know, I try to delegate and it's not successful, something like that, or it can be another very concrete action. So it can be, and of course, how will you implement that? What will your first step be? Like I said, it can be something small that may not seem especially significant right now, uh, it could be making a list of tasks that can be delegated or thinking about the skills your employees would like to develop eventually. The key is to start somewhere. So committing to the practice, to practicing the skill of delegating, and I would add to that too, you know, being persistent with it. Of course, we're going through this content rather quickly. I know it's hard to take notes with this pace, um, but to learn more, you can of course explore the supervisory development website. At the supervising.umn.edu where we have quick guides and resources that you can download or view anytime for your reference. We did reference multiple quick guides today that you can find there anytime. So thank you everyone so much for attending our webinar. We're very happy you were here and also for sharing your thoughts and participating in the polls. We hope you find this information today useful relevant to your supervisory experience and we look forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Supervisory Development Course podcast. Please explore resources mentioned in the podcast by going to z.umn.edu/delegation. The Supervisory Development Course podcast is created by Leadership and Talent Development within the Office of Human Resources at the University of Minnesota. If you have questions regarding supervisory development, please email us at ltd@umn.edu.